Turn with me now in your Bibles to Luke chapter 19. Luke 19. Father, we're so grateful that we have this opportunity, this time, this place to worship together, to fellowship together, to be reminded, to be encouraged, if need be, to be challenged or corrected. But Lord, we come now with open minds and open hearts to receive all that you have for us from your word today. So Lord, I pray that you would open our eyes, that we'd behold wonderful things from your word. And Lord, you'd go before us today and you'd bless both the speaking and the hearing of your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Opportunities are things that come our way more than we realize. And you probably can think back in your life of some opportunities that came your way and you didn't take advantage of. And hindsight became better than foresight. And you say, I wished I would have. I should have. And you think back on that opportunity that was before you. There have been other times where opportunities presented themselves and you took advantage of it. Maybe it was a job or a connection or a relationship. And you see the blessing that had come from that. I want to talk to you this morning about the two most important opportunities that we have. And what will be the advantage and disadvantage of taking those opportunities or missing them. The first we covered in the first 10 verses of Luke 19. That is the opportunity to get right with God. It is an opportunity that many of us scorned at early on in our life. And there were opportunities I know in my own life to get right with God. I was sharing with somebody the other day about my freshman year in college. I was so excited to be away from home. I was so excited to be you know, at Clemson University. Uh, and I didn't know what the future had, but it was going to be wonderful. But I was lost during those days. Uh, I thought life would be on a college campus, pledge a fraternity, you know, go out and, and do the things that you couldn't do when you were at home and just take real advantage of being out on your own. But even in those early years, throughout my walking around the campus at Clemson University, I was always confronted by the Campus Crusade for Christ crowd. It seemed wherever I went, there were two or three of those people that were out inviting you to their next meeting. Sometimes walking around Clemson with banners and with big sheets, uh, inviting you to the next big campus crusade event. I believe at that time that was an opportunity for me to connect with the Lord. You think I took advantage of that? No. There were also opportunities at Clemson when I would go and wash my clothes at the uh, laundromat at Clemson. And I would usually go late at night because I didn't like to be around a lot of people when I was washing my clothes, but I always had company in that laundromat at night. 
a couple of guys from Bob Jones University, which was about 30 miles down the road from Clemson, would always come to that laundromat when I was there. Never understood. I'm the only person here. You know, why are these two guys showing up at this time, you know, at 11 o'clock at night when they didn't think anybody would be there, and there I am in, in the laundromat. So I would always be witnessed to by these guys from Bob Jones University. Another opportunity for me to get right with God. And I look back over my life, and there were so many times that the Lord gave me an opportunity to get my life right with him. That didn't happen until later on in my 20s. And I look back and I said, how different my life would have been had I responded to one of those opportunities earlier. And maybe you know someone who has had the gospel presented to them. And for whatever reason, they have ignored it uh, and not responded to it. And then something happened. And they met an untimely death. And they stepped out into eternity. Not know, was not knowing whether or not they ever made a decision for Christ. I am convinced, as in the story of Zacchaeus, that for every searching heart, God will provide an opportunity for those people to have a, a chance to connect with God. And maybe you can think back in your own life before you really made a commitment to the Lord. How many times God gave you an opportunity. That someone, some occasion, some circumstance led you to the place where you had at that moment in time a chance to make a decision to commit your life to the Lord. So life is filled with missed opportunities. I believe even when we see a track outside that somebody left just laying there and we pick it up and we look at it is, guess what? An opportunity. That's why I'm a big believer in tracks. If you, you know, should carry tracks with you, leave them at places that you go because you might be giving someone else an opportunity to connect with the Lord. And see, here's the reality. Genesis chapter 6 says, My spirit shall not always strive with man. And I am glad today that we live in an age where the Spirit of God is striving with us. And if you are here this morning and you've never made a commitment to follow Christ or you've never surrendered completely to Christ, guess what? God is giving you an opportunity today. I'll never forget hearing the testimony of a man who for his entire life had rejected every message of the gospel that he had ever heard. And he was finally sitting in a meeting where an invitation was given to give, give your life to Christ. He stormed out of that meeting angry that this is all I ever hear. You need to get saved. And whether or not you believe that God still speaks to people or not, this is what this man said. He said that he heard God say to him as he walked out of the building, this is your last chance. And it floored him. So he comes back in 
and he comes to the front and he gives his life to Christ. We never know when that last opportunity is going to be. And so verses 1 through 10 here, uh, I love the story of Zacchaeus, not because it tells us that Jesus came to seek and to save the lost, which he does, but this divine encounter that I believe is recorded here just to show us that for one person, Jesus detoured into the city of Jericho and went straight to Zacchaeus and said of Zacchaeus, uh, he says, today salvation has come to this house. And God will go to any length to reveal himself to a person who is searching and is hungry and let them know that they have an opportunity to get right with God. Uh, so I hope you've taken advantage of that. And I hope you believe that, that God now is using you as perhaps the catalyst in somebody else's life for them to have an opportunity to encounter God. I know many of you, like me, pray for people that we know that don't know Jesus. And I hope that you do have a prayer list that you're keeping of folks that you would like to see come to know the Lord. And one of the things that I love to pray about people that don't know the Lord is God sends someone into their life who will tell them about you. Whether it's a co-worker or whether it's an accidental, coincidental meeting with someone on the street. You, God, know how to deal with that person. And I always pray that God will send somebody uh, to that person. And I think if you go back and look at your life, you'll find that there were many times God knocked on the door of your life. And God was saying that he loved you. Well, then we come to verse 11, which we will look at the second opportunity. Uh, and this is one that is not quite as obvious as the opportunity that Zacchaeus had. But when you think about it, God gives every one of us the same number of minutes in an hour and the same number of hours in a day, the same number of days in a week, and the same number of weeks in a year. We all have the same opportunities. And this parable that is recorded for us down through verse 27 is going to explain to us the consequences of this other opportunity that is before us. Uh, so let's get into it. Now, as they heard these things, that is about the story of Zacchaeus in verses 1 through 10, he spoke another parable because he was near Jerusalem and they thought that the kingdom of God uh, would appear uh, immediately. There was a general thought among the followers of Jesus that something big was going to happen when he got to Jerusalem. That he would probably set himself up as the king, kick out the Romans, and the kingdom of God would be established. And they had these expectations. So he tells them this parable. Uh, that uh, 
maybe get them to rearrange their thinking a little bit. He said to them in verse 12, A certain nobleman went into a far country to receive for himself a kingdom and to return. Now, obviously, this is a parable, but it certainly has you know, some application to what Jesus is going to face in Jerusalem. And remember, the people are uh, in the back of their minds saying, what a great time to set up the kingdom. They knew something big was going to happen. They just didn't know what it was. So now he's going to get them to rethink maybe uh, what this big event was. And there is some application now to the master leaving for a while and going to a far country and then coming back to receive the kingdom, which we know now in uh, 2023 that that's exactly what happened. The master was crucified, buried, raised again the third day, ascended into heaven. I know you guys believe that because you sang it just a few minutes ago. Uh, and now is seated at the right hand of the Father, waiting for the time that the Father says, it's time. And Jesus will return and establish a kingdom and will rule the world. So there are some applications to the Lord himself in this. But that's not what we want to focus on this morning. So in this story, the master goes away and he calls ten of his servants, delivering to them ten minas or uh, pieces of coins. And said to them, do business till I come. Now, what this implies, if you look at verse 13, there are ten servants and there are ten coins. So what would that imply? That each person got a coin. Not each person got ten coins, but he had ten coins and ten servants. So just in the back of your mind, keep track of this. Everybody had the same opportunity. None was preferred over another. Each one had the same opportunity. They were given something by their master. And I hope you, if you like to underline in your Bible, look at the last part of verse 13. He says, do business till I come. That also has an implication to it. He is giving them a coin. And he is saying, take care of business till I come. God has given you and me an opportunity to do something for him. And guess what he is saying to each one of us today? Take care of business till I come. Remember that 60 seconds that God gave us? Or that 60 minutes in an hour that God gave us. To every one of us that are alive at this moment. Guess what God has entrusted to us? That time. That we will give an account to him one day. On how we have used that time. That's why I like to look at the last part of verse 13. When he says. Be about the business. Or stay busy. Till I come. And we're going to talk about this in just a minute. Because with this gift of time that comes from the master. That he's allowed us to have. 
Do you think he's just allowed us to have it for no specific purpose? So hold on now. But there were others in this kingdom who he did not distribute these coins to, who in verse 14 says that they hated him and sent a delegation after him saying, we will not have this man reign over us. Now, if there are some applications to the Lord himself going away to a far country and leaving his servants with some responsibilities, some business to take care of, then certainly there's an application here to the general world who really doesn't like Jesus and says that we'll not have this man rule over us. I, I know some of you are watching with interest uh, what's going on in Israel, and we are to pray for the peace of Israel. But let me just share this. The people that hate the Jewish people, the anti-Semitism that we're seeing spread throughout the world. Don't be so naive as to think that won't come to the doorstep of Christians soon. You know, that the God that we serve and the Lord that we love is hated by the world. And Jesus himself said that. He says, the world will hate you because you're followers of mine. Uh, and would you agree with me that there is a world out there who hates God and the things of God? They hate Jesus and any mention of Jesus. And we have been trying our best as a nation since the early 60s to kick God out of every part of our society. We don't have anything to do with God. We don't want any mention of God. Uh, and we will not tolerate uh, any kind of religious uh, talk. So yeah, there, there are some applications in this parable to the world that we live in. So you have you got two groups of people here. You got one group of people who are serving the master. And you got one group of people who hate the master and said he's not going to rule over us which really describes the world today. There are only two types of people in the world today. And that's why I get so bugged about the whole idea of uh, the talk about racism that we hear today, even though I understand the concept. I'm, there's only one race, folks, and it's the human race. It's the race from which we all came from Adam and then through Noah. There's one race, and God loves the human race. And he sent his world into the sun. Uh, he sent his son into the world to die for the human race, for humanity. So in the world today, we may be of diff different ethnic groups, different tribes, nations, and tongues, as Revelation says, but there are only two types of people in the world. There are the saved and there are the unsaved. You are either in the camp or you're not. You are either a servant of the master or you are one of those citizens who hate the master. I wish I could tell you there was a middle ground. There's a third kind of kingdom out there. Uh, and that's why the Bible talks about us being translated out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of his light. So this parable has some reality to it. You know, there are those that are <coughs> serving the master and there's, there are those that hate the master. And the real question is, which one are you in?
And you don't need someone to tell you because the Bible says the Spirit bears witness with our spirit that we are children of His. Anyway, do you get the picture? This man, this nobleman, who's very powerful, wealthy, and has a lot, goes into a far country. He leaves his servants there to take care of business while he's gone. But the other citizens said, we hate this man. We're not going to have anything to do with him. And I love the first part of verse 15 because it says, so when he returned, can I tell you a secret? The master will return. Amen. Uh, just because he's been gone for 2,000 years doesn't mean that he's forgotten about the promise that Jesus said, uh, in my Father's house are many mansions. I go and prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will what? Come again and receive you unto myself. Guys, the Lord is going to return. The master will come back. Now I want you to see what's going to happen uh, as this, in this parable, this master comes back. So it was when he returned, having received the kingdom, he then commanded these servants to whom he had given the money to be called to him that he might know how much every man had gained by trading. Before we read the next few verses, let me just share this. What has been entrusted to us as an opportunity to be about our Father's business will one day come back to us as a time of accountability. The Lord, I don't know how long you've been saved or what your life looks like, but the Lord, the Master, will look at you and said, I gave you 50 years of serving me. How did you handle what I entrusted to you? Guys, we will give an account before the master to that which has been trust, entrusted to us. How we use our time, how we use our talents, how we use our energy, how we use what God has blessed us with. Uh, and there will be a time when every one of us will stand before the Lord and will give an account. The Bible says we'll even give an account for every idle word that we've spoken. So he calls these guys. And verse 15 to me is very sobering. Because I get the picture in this verse. You know, of these guys now coming. Because his command to them in verse 13 was what? Do business till I come. Take care of business. Another, another verse, another gospel writer says, Occupy till I come. All that boils down to is being busy about our Father's business. Now, I know you're probably much more serious uh, in your approach to life than I am. But I look back over this last week and I look at how many minutes and hours I've wasted in things that when I stand before the Lord, 
Okay, how'd you use October 21st, which was yesterday? How did you use October 21st? Did you occupy, take care of business until I came? And then the tapes are played. I don't know how, how they're going to do this when we get into heaven. Uh, I don't know what, what the accounting's going to be, but, but we're going to be, you know, Paul likens it to passing through fire. Erwin uh, Lutzer has a great series on that right now on running to win. I encourage you to listen to. He has some wonderful insights on what it's going to be like to stand before Jesus at the Bema seat uh, where we will be rewarded for what we've done in this life. And Paul will say, some will suffer loss. Erwin uh, Lutzer goes on to say that when Jesus said he will wipe away every tear, that's probably what he's talking about. The tears of remorse, uh, the tears uh, of missed opportunity, the, the tears of squandered time and talent and events, that Jesus will wipe those tears away as we go through that judgment. But it is for us as believers a sobering thought. And I'd like to venture to you that most of us don't live with that thought in the forefront of our mind. That there is coming a time where I'm going to give an account for every word, every deed, every blessing, everything before the Lord. Just as these guys did. And so verse 13 and verse 15, just kind of tuck in the back of your memory. Uh, do business till I come. Uh, and then in verse 15, that he might know how much every man had gained. You know, so think about that in terms of what God has blessed you with and how you're living your life. So the first came saying, Master, your mina has earned ten minas. And he says, well done, good servant. Because you were faithful in a very little, have authority over ten cities. Now, if I were to ask you, how many of you want to hear, well done, good and faithful servant, when you stand before the Lord? Most of us are going to say, yes, that's what I want to hear. Well done, good and faithful servant. Well, what caused the Lord to say to this man, well done, good servant. Because he had been faithful in what the Lord committed to him. And now he's going to have authority over ten cities. And this could be part of uh, the saints ruling and reigning with Christ for a thousand years in his kingdom. And the second came and said, Master... Your mina has earned five minas. minas. Likewise, he said to them, you also be over five cities. Uh, so two servants were rewarded for their faithfulness in, in taking what was given to them and actually having some benefit for it. But then the third come, verses 20 through 26 is, is really... I've, I've titled these three, uh, these six verses, Missed Opportunity. This is a missed opportunity. Another came saying, Master, here is your mina, which I have kept, put away in a handkerchief. For I feared you, because you are an austere man, 
You collect what you did not deposit, and you reap what you did not sow. And he said to him, out of your own mouth, I will judge you, you wicked servant. You knew that I was an austere man, collecting what I did not deposit, reaping what I did not sow. Why then did you not put my money in the bank that at my coming I might have collected it with interest? And he said to those who stood by, take the coin from him and give it to the one who has ten. But they said to him, Master, he already has ten. And Jesus said, For I say to you, to everyone who has will be given, and from him who does not have, even what he has will be taken away. There will come a time of accountability. And the question is going to be asked, how faithful? I find it interesting that the reward for faithfulness in this parable is not rest, but more service. Okay, you've been busy, now here's ten cities. You've been busy, now here's five cities. By the way, you know, God never created us to be lazy. He never created us just to sit idly around. You know, God gave a command to Adam before Adam ever fell uh, and, and uh, was in sin. You know what it was? You know what God told Adam before he ever ate of the fruit? God says, keep the garden. Keep the garden. So God intended man to be busy. And there was something given to Adam even as his responsibility then. And I believe when we get into heaven, I don't know what heaven's going to be like. You know, the Bible doesn't give us a lot of detail what it's going to be like when we get to heaven. Eyes not seen, ears not heard, neither is entered into the heart of man the things that God has prepared for those that love him. Paul was caught up into heaven and he heard indescribable things and he couldn't come back and describe it. Even John in the book of Revelation, you know, is, is not able to describe for us exactly what heaven's going to be like. But I do think in heaven that there's going to be responsibility. It's going to be without the, the weight and burden of sin and worry. But there's going to be responsibility that God created us and we're going to be busy when we get into heaven. Whatever that looks like. But even in this life, God has given us talent, ability, and other things that we are to be busy for him. So that Paul would say to the Colossians, whatever you do, do it heartily as unto the Lord. That can be your work, that can be your hobby. Whatever you do, you do it as unto the Lord. For those of you that work, your boss, you know your boss is? Not the one who writes your paycheck. Your boss is the Lord. And one day you'll give an account to him on how you handled the job that he allowed you to have. So you're beginning to get the picture. We don't know what happened to the other seven of the servants here. But these, two are, these three are singled out. Two are faithful. One is unfaithful. The unfaithful servant has some very harsh words from the master. 
the two that were faithful have very gracious words from the master. Now, I may not be holding a coin in my hand given to me by the master, but I have certain benefits, advantages, opportunities, privilege given to me by the Lord that I will one day stand before him and he'll say, verse 15, what'd you do with what I gave you? Let's have an accounting and look at your areas of responsibility. I'm looking out and I see some dads in here, some husbands and dads. Guess what, husbands and dads? One day you will stand before God and say, God will say, tell me, how did you treat that wife I blessed you with? What was your responsibility, obligation to your children? And we'll give an account. Those of us in the ministry, the Bible talks about us having a double uh, obligation. Because I'll give an account before the Lord on one day on what I've done with the ministry through to which God entrusted to me. That's why one of the reasons I never get bothered by what's happening in other ministries. That's not my responsibility. Those men will stand before God for the ministry that was entrusted to them. And Paul says in the, in the book of Romans, who am I to judge another man's servant? So I can't sit back and look at somebody else and say, why don't they, or why didn't they, or why, why wouldn't they? They'll give an account before God. I'll give an account before God. You'll give an account before God. The same is true individually. Don't look around, look up. Don't compare yourselves with each other, Paul says to the Corinthians. That's not wise. I'm a better father than he is. I'm a better husband than he is. I'm a better wife than they are. But that, that doesn't matter. We're not wise when we compare ourselves with each other. But one day, standing before the Lord, the Lord's going to say, okay, let's hear it. Give an accounting. And so you got the comparison here between two people were actually 10 people, those who took advantage of the opportunity that God gave them. And in that, there was a reward for their faithfulness. And by the way, I think the rewards will be based on the degree of our faithfulness. Some people are more faithful with what God entrusted to them than others are. Some are faithful, but not as faithful. You, you kind of get the picture. There's going to be degrees of reward based on how faithful we were. And I think we're going to be surprised when we get to heaven to find out who's going to be getting the biggest rewards. Probably not somebody that we're thinking about, but probably somebody that's an unheard of, unknown saint somewhere that was so faithful in what they were committed to that they get the greatest reward. Uh, I'm probably just going to make it in. As, Lord, just let me be a doorkeeper in your house. You know, I'll, I'll be the guy standing by the door. You know, uh, but Lord, I just want to get it in. But it's going to be based on our faithfulness. So you have the opportunity. Some took advantage of it. Some missed the opportunity. Uh, and they were all given equal chances to do what they could to serve the Lord. And my encouragement to you is that, guess what? One day, that's going to be you and me.
we're the servants left by the master going into a far kingdom who will come again and receive the kingdom to himself. And when he comes to receive the kingdom, he's going to call his servants and we're going to give an account to the Lord on how we've lived our life. But in verse 27... He says, bring here the enemies of mine who did not want me to reign over them and slay them before me. You know, people can deny all day long that they want to have anything to do with Jesus. I think religion is a crutch. I think y'all don't need this all this talk about Jesus and they they mock and make fun of people who are disciples of Christ well one day those same people will kneel before the Lord and they will confess as Paul says in Philippians that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father their knee will bow their tongue will confess. But it will be uh, in a judgment like verse 27. Uh, that the Lord will deal with those who have rejected him. And one of the things I appreciate about our study on Sunday night. this is I've been through the Truth Project several times. Uh, but one thing that we learned in our first lesson was this, that we are to treat everyone who doesn't know the Lord as prisoners. They're captives. They're not somebody that we should stand back and judge and condemn. They're held captive. Uh, and uh, that, that's just an eye-opening thing. When people begin to look at, at those that are lost, not as, as people to be judged, but as prisoners, held against their will you know, by Satan and bound by the things of this world, that we need to pray that their eyes would be opened, that they'd be, the captives would be set free. Um, but the enemies of Christ will one day be dealt with. And for every person who rejects Christ, one of the parts of that judgment is going to be all the opportunities they had to get right with God and didn't take advantage of it. I don't know how God does this, but all those are stored up. And they say, remember when that guy was witnessing you on the street? Remember when you saw that track? Remember when you were in the church and you were so bored to death, uh, but the scriptures were read, uh, the opportunity was presented for you to get right with God and you ignored it. Those people will be judged. As we see things going on in the world today, persecution is going to increase all around the world. And it is embarrassing as a country today. I love the United States of America. But it is, it, it is embarrassing as a country today to see all the hate for the Jewish people going on in our own country today. And it won't be long uh, after that, that it will be the Christians and the churches uh, that, that uh, are going to face the anger of a Christ-rejecting world. 
you know, because Christians are blamed now for every problem that society faces. If it wasn't for those Christians, we could get on with the duty of governing and taking care of ourselves. But the master is coming. The kingdom is going to be established. And those that have rejected the king will face the authority and the judgment of the king. But unfortunately, at that time, it's going to be too late. That's why, as we you know, kind of wrap this section up, I'm not going to be able to get into the triumphal entry today. But as we wrap this section up, think about how many people you are around that you need to be the one giving them the opportunity to make some decision for Christ. By your conduct, by your lifestyle. Now, most of you, or some of you, are probably going to go out to eat lunch after the service today. The restaurants always seem to be crowded on Sunday after church. Which is fine, you know, we do that ourselves. But I want you to think about the waitress or waiter that's serving your table. Hopefully you're leaving a good tip. By the way, do you see on social media the food delivery person who pulled up to a person's house and the person tipped them 10%? And the driver of the vehicle said, I'm not getting your food out until you tip me 20%. And the lady said, I'm not going to do it. And the lady said, fine. She drove off with the food in her car because <laughs> she wouldn't tip her 20%. Sometimes I get frustrated with tipping. You know, uh, I love electronics, but you go to a place now, they got those little pads, they turn around in front of you. And before you can pay your bill, you know, the first thing that pops up on there is tip amount. And if you're like me, you feel kind of obligated to push one of those buttons. Well, what I'm going to say is if you go out to eat today, number one, tip generously. You know, that, that person, uh, if your food is bad, it's not their fault. You know, they're, they're just trying to make a living. Tip generously. But in your tipping, think about leaving a track. Just take, take a track, put your tip inside the track, or leave it on the table. Maybe the, the bus person or the waiter or waitress will see the track. Uh, I go to the post office once a week up here, and there's some faithful person at the West Columbia Post Office that faithfully leaves tracks on the, the counters there. I can't tell you how many chick tracks I've seen at the post office. Uh, there's places that you go, doctor's offices, waiting rooms, where you could leave something on a table that someone may come in. Uh, you ever have the opportunity to stay in a hotel room? You can leave something for the person who, who does the housekeeping. Uh, when you go to the convenience store uh, or the grocery store, you could hand the, the person a track. Uh, a lot of times they're going to get thrown away. I was telling Carol that she's doing the tracks for our uh, outreach on Friday that every year after the the, the uh, fall festival and the Christmas parade will we'll, we'll police the parking lots. We end up picking up tracks that we've passed out, which, which is fine. That, that's not my responsibility. It is my responsibility to pick them up, by, by the way. Uh, I don't want trash on the ground. It's not my responsibility what somebody does with what I give them. 
It is their responsibility. And they'll stand before an almighty God one day who will say, remember when you got that track at Trunk or Treat and you just threw it on the ground? Well, that was your opportunity to get right with me. Uh, so I'm a big believer in leaving tracks wherever we go. And don't be concerned about whether or not somebody you know, accepts it or rejects it. I've been passing out tracks for a long time. And for the most part, people don't, to your face, they won't reject it. Now, what happens when they turn away from you may be a little different. They may trash it. They may do something else. But for the most part, I can say only less than 1% of people get angry. You know, when you really want to just hand them a track. Tracks are inexpensive. If you need some ideas on, on do that, see me or Carol after the service, and we'll be glad to point you in a direction. They're not expensive. You can buy hundreds of tracks for just a few dollars. Um, and there was a time, I don't do this anymore, but how many of y'all get unsolicited credit card applications in the mail? I don't care how many times you opt out, and now I get them for solar power. I get them for, for those of us that are over the age of 65. Some of you guys will get there uh, every, uh, one day. But every year from October to December, which is the open enrollment for Medicare, I get something every day in the mail wanting me to buy some supplemental Medicare plan. You know what all of these have in common? They have stamped return envelopes that they want you to send back their application. I did this a long time ago. I haven't done it in a while. But I used to save those things, and I would put a track in them and send it back to wherever it came so they're paying to have the track delivered. You know, so I got some poor person over there you know, opening this thing up, hoping they're going to get a credit card application, and they get a track, which might be that person's opportunity to get right with God. Always be aware of how you act in public and what you say in public because you, should, you could be somebody's opportunity to connect with the Lord, especially if they know you're a believer. You know, that you want to give them the opportunity. So life is filled with opportunities. You're having one right now. The time that God has given you. How are you using those opportunities? And the second thing I want you to leave with is how can I be the opportunity for somebody around me? So why don't we stand, let the Lord speak to us as we examine our hearts this morning. And maybe there's something we need to make right with God today. Maybe we realize that we have been not taking advantage of the opportunities that God's given us. And he's allowed us to hear this message this morning. The men are going to be available to pray with you this morning. I would encourage you, if God is tugging at your heart about anything, it may just be for someone to agree with you in prayer. But if God is tugging on your heart, the men are going to be available. Come and let one of these men pray for, uh, as we worship in our last song. Father, you search our hearts. You know our minds. And Lord, you know our deep thoughts. And I pray that as we've looked into your word today, that you would speak to us, Father. And Lord, that you would show us uh, exactly what it is that you want to do in our lives and what you have for us. And let us take advantage of that opportunity. We thank you, Lord, and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.